0: Section 14 of The Vampire Nemesis and Other Weird Tales of the China Coast by Dolly. The Slippervox recording is in the public domain. Read by Ben Tucker. Section 14. Death Grips, Part 13. That was the last time I saw my wife, except for the brief interviews here under the eyes of the warder, and that is the picture I shall carry with me into the grave, I, and beyond. The next instant I had darted through the door, and gaining the street was hurrying wildly toward Arnold Rawdon's Surgery in Sejuin Road, with but one thought in my mind, but one purpose, one duty looming large and clear before my eyes. As I hurried blindly through the deserted streets my mind was made up, my purpose implacably fixed. It was the choice between the murder of the innocent girl I loved and the extermination —one could not call it murder to hurl such a viper out of existence — "'of this fiend who was trying to make me stain my soul with the blood of my wife. "'He had called me many a time, and I had come. "'Now I was coming to him without his bidding. "'Now was the time to do it. "'Now, while I knew his power was for the time gone. "'Now, now, while he had overreached himself "'and was in a state of mental remission of the force spent. "'Thank God it had come in time. "'Perhaps he thought his vile purpose already accomplished, "'and had allowed his mind to wander and sink from its intensity of concentration.' I feared that if i dallied his power might return before i could wreak my vengeance i knew my utter helplessness if it should and hurried still more until i dashed up to the house in sejuan road breathless and palpitating the boy opened to my vigorous knock with the look of grieved astonishment in his sleepy eyes but i pushed roughly past him and rushed up the stairs he knew me however or was too sleepy to heed my wild looks and crept gladly back to his bed I could see by the streak of light from beneath the door that a lamp was burning in the study. I pushed the door ajar and peered cautiously in. Yes, rodin was there. Stepping swiftly into the room, I closed the door behind me. He was lying on a couch against the opposite wall, a rug thrown over his knees. His pale face was livid and ghastly, and beneath the shifty eyes were heavy shadows that the lamplight from above tensified. He had been expecting me, I think. For as I turned from closing the door, he raised himself on his elbow, and without a word stared at me with eyes in which I thought I detected a glance of terror. I turned again to the door. There was no key in the lock, but immediately below it was a stout bolt. This I shot. It was clear to both of us, as our eyes met once more, there beneath the swinging lamp, that but one of us could hope to draw that bolt again and pass out a living man. I had been fumbling in my pocket for the bottle of chloroform, which it had been my intention to hurl at him and smash in his face before he could use the terrible power of his eyes. But now, as he fixed those eyes on mine, the impatient movement of my fingers was stilled, and so for a space we stood and eyed each other, each conscious that a life depended on the result, that it was now or never he must gain the mastery. It may have been only for minutes— but it seemed to me interminable hours that we stood there wrestling in that terrible death grip of the eyes, as I crouched like a tiger waiting his chance to spring. Twice as his hair bristled and stood on end, the sensuous face blurred away from my sight, and twice the jets of blue-gray vapor leapt forth to meet me. But with a desperate effort, I shook myself free from the spell that was mastering me and met his gaze. Then there came a change. His face turned yet more livid in its ghastly pallor and his brow puckered and wrinkled while the corners of the weak mouth were drawn suddenly downward as one sees in a child that is about to burst into tears. Then his eyes seemed to snap and crackle for a moment, air with contracted pupils that dilated again with fear They glazed swiftly over. With a despairing gasp the only sound that had been uttered, Rodden fell back on the couch. I had conquered. With one terrible bound I hurled myself across the room to his side. In my triumph the chloroform and all my carefully laid plans were forgotten, for my knee was planted on his breast, and my fingers were busy at his throat. Into that deadly grip I threw my own strength and the strength of the demons of revenge that possessed me, until I could see the face beneath me grow purple, then black, as his jaw slowly dropped and the tongue protruded. His mouth closed with a sharp convulsive snap, and I could hear the white teeth meet and grate together in the yielding flesh and still I pressed with my whole strength the throat into which my fingers were sinking. I seemed to have but one all-absorbing desire, to squeeze the throat of my victim until I forced the eyes, already protruding so far completely from their sockets. And so I pressed and pressed, never heeding that all sign of life had fled from the bloated purple face beneath me, or that the body on which my knee was pressed was growing cold and rigid in death. Those fiendish eyes must come out. They must. They must. And I tried to put yet a little more force into the grip of iron, smiling exultantly when I thought they seemed to be protruding a half inch further than before. In my frenzied triumph, I expected to see them. Could I but compress the villainous throat hard enough, shoot out of their sockets as one sees the pulp of a grape pop out of the skin when it is squeezed? Perhaps at this point the bottle of chloroform capsized in my pocket, and some of the fluid leaked out, for its penetrating odors suddenly filled my nostrils. The room spun round as I gasped for breath, and all was darkness. End of section 14